1: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
2: The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide
3: think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers bringing authentic authoritative and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands hello everyone i'm reporting this week from our lake cottage in northern canada it's the furthest I've ventured from our Winnipeg home in 545 days. Here are the headlines. Logistics companies invest to right the ship. Kenya's newly elected board moves into the KTDA headquarters and Haines Celestial streamlines its tea selections. More in a minute, but first this important message.
0: Avani empowers rural women practicing sustainable agriculture, including tea and crafts such as weaving with natural fiber and plant-based dyes. Up in the towering Himalayas, Kuman is one of India's oldest tea regions. Today, we raise our cups in the name of Avani Kuman a nonprofit dedicated to strengthening farming communities. Cheers to a brighter future for all. To donate, visit avani-cumon.org.
3: Shortages of raw ingredients for beverages and higher shipping costs continue the saga of supply chain woes into summer. Last week, Starbucks customers found green tea in short supply Along with chai tea bags and oat milk. No single item has disappeared from the menu, but Reuters found that temporary shortages in nine major food service chains are widespread. Less obvious are the costs passed along due to more expensive air and sea transport and a shortage of truckers. Reserving a 40 foot container to ship tea from Shanghai to Los Angeles cost 6368 in June, according to the Drury Freight Rate Index. Delivery to Chicago from Shanghai normally takes 35 days, including 33 at sea. But shippers now estimate 73 days as port-to-destination times have doubled. When premiums are added to secure equipment and vessel space is included, the effective West Coast rate for landing tea from China ends up being about $8,000 to $11,000 per 40-foot equivalent, according to the Journal of Commerce. At the consumer level, this means online orders for tea must now meet $50 and $75 thresholds to qualify for free shipping, and that four-week delays are common. Observers predict that the kinks in the supply chain will persist through 2022. Business Insight Global container fleets are consolidating as shipping companies put newfound money to work, acquiring vessels and ordering containers. Swiss-owned MSC, the Mediterranean shipping company, has acquired 70 ships since August and has an order book of 800,000 TEU for new ships. The buildup in demand shows no sign of abating as consumers spend pandemic savings and economies emerge from lockdowns. Kenya's tea farmers collectively own 66 of that nation's tea factories— They contract with the Kenya Tea Development Agency, KTDA, to pay for what they produce and to market their tea. During the past two years, local concerns and a new administration in Nairobi led to legislative reforms that permit factories to replace directors by conducting special elections. The previous system awarded votes by share. Board members found they only had to please the largest farmers. Now it's one man, one vote. Ousted board members challenged the Tea Reform Act in court and consider any special elections conducted between March and May as invalid. The newly elected directors named David Mooney KTDA chairman, and on June 22nd, police escorted Mooney and aides to their offices in the KTDA headquarters. KTDA's Peter Canyago, who had been at the helm of the agency for 26 years, was forced to relinquish his position after he was unseated in a local election April 25th. Mooney's first official act was to notify the organization to accord full recognition and cooperation to the new board as it takes over management. Quote, We wish to assure all stakeholders that the operations of the group are running smoothly and without any operations, he said. A spokesperson at a nonviolent late-night protest June 22nd predicted that a case before Kenya's constitutional court would find the government's actions unconstitutional and reinstate the old board. U.S. grocery stores enjoyed a strong 2020, and in 2021, pandemic stickiness is apparent for e-commerce convenience and at-home meals, according to Core site Research, which reports that as of June, U.S. retail store closures are down year over year for the first time since the initial lockdowns. Half of Americans now said they would feel, quote, Very comfortable, end quote, shopping in a physical store during the next three months compared to only 29% in the year-ago period, according to safety culture. When they return, consumers will discover that eroding brand loyalty convinced food manufacturers to simplify their offerings. Tea manufacturer Hanes Celestial has a big footprint in grocery with thousands of stock-keeping units, far too many, according to Mark L. Schiller, President and Chief Executive Officer. Schiller told investors that shedding 20 brands, discontinuing 1,000 SKUs proactively before the pandemic, and really simplifying the way we operate, were the cornerstones of a strategy that has increased margins. He told Food Business News that he is transitioning the $2 billion dollar Haines Celestial Group from a holding company to an operating company. The new focus is on innovation versus additional flavor varieties, he said. Quote, so instead of here's the 37th flavor of sleepy time tea, he said, we're bringing tea with energy, tea with melatonin, tea with probiotics and gut health and immunity and things that are much more incremental into the category cold brew tea, K-cups, things that really are going to help the retailer grow their category and therefore earn their space, he said. Our and Theraman in Bengaluru reports on India's tea auction prices.
4: India Tea Price Watch for the week ending June 26, 2021. The highlight of the week was a special auction conducted by the Tea Board of India across auction centres. A carefully curated catalogue of teas made from leaves plucked on the International Tea Day on 21st May were on offer. This special sale saw record prices that brought welcome energy and excitement for the industry. White teas in particular did very well, with Tarjeeling's Badamtham tea estate topping the charts at 27,650 27,650 per kilo, and Avata's Silver Needle Excel grade from the Nilgiris going for 16,400 per kilo. In Jorhat, Assam, M-Junction, which launched the Te marketplace in 2020, debuted their e-auction with a special sale, also offering premium tea that fetched high prices. Second flush tea has arrived at auctions and we expect busy weeks ahead. Sale 25 saw so good demand for orthodox tea across India. Buyers from Iran, Middle East, Russia and CIS countries have been active. In North India, CTC is seeing good response as top-quality second flush is now available. In Kolkata auctions, the top 10 Assam orthodox teas sold for between 500 to 1,000 rupees per kilo. In the south, Serve, that has been a major buyer of dust tea was missed at Kochi last week. In all, Sale 25 did not see significant fluctuation in price from the previous week.
3: And now, a word from our sponsor.
2: Q Trade Teas works with tea purveyors at every scale. From promising startups to the world's largest multinational beverage brands in the hot, iced, and bottled tea segments. With U.S.-based formulation, blending, and packaging services, Q-Trade can help you innovate, scale up, and grow your specialty tea brand. For more information, visit our website, QTradetees.com.
3: Tea Biz this week travels to Darjeeling, India, where an innovative new tea venture is taking root at the Argwal family's ancestral farm at Salem Hill. And then to the Jersey Isles off the coast of France, where Alicia Gentili, project manager at Jersey Fine Tea, discusses the challenges and rewards of establishing a new tea garden in the English Channel. Sparsh Agarwal is the fourth generation in his family to cultivate tea in the Himalayas. But as you will hear in his discussion with Arvinda and Antheraman, he is not bound by tradition.
4: In mid-June, a new tea brand was launched in India. Named Doje Teas, it takes its name from where it originates, which is Darjeeling. The brand was launched by Sparsh Agarwal and Ishan Kanoria. What sets this brand apart from others is that Dorjea Teas was created to take Darjeeling Teas to the Indian market and as a subscription model. The brand's origin lies in one of Darjeeling's tea gardens, Selim Hill, which belongs to the Agarwal family. And along with the launch of Dorjea Teas, Selim Hill itself is seeing a revival of sorts with the formation of the Selim Hill Collective. And among other things, it has brought Raja Banerjee, the man who built Makai Bari, back into business as chairperson of the collective and as mentor to Ishan and Sparsh. We speak to Spash Agarwal about why he started Dorje Teas and what he hopes to achieve with it.
1: My family has been in the Darjeeling tea business specifically for the last four generations now.
4: And uh, my
1: great-grandfather was the one who first entered the Darjeeling tea business and bought the first tea garden in the family. Before that as well, he used to sell tea chests to tea gardens. So we've had a long connection with with tea as such in our family. When the pandemic hit last year, the lockdown was announced around the 25th of March, bang at the time of the first flush. By the time that it ended, we had pretty much lost our first flush crop. At that point, my family was absolutely sure that they would not be able to sustain the losses further because Seliman as a garden has also not made profits in the last 30 years. We still held on to it, but we've never made profits going beyond that. This 2020 was a year in which we made huge losses. At that point, there was a very serious conversation that was taking place inside the house where we thought we were were looking to sell it. But sell also occupies a very special place in the hearts of a lot of family members and also friends of family members. A bunch of my friends, myself, we spent a lot of time at the garden, at the house. We all began, started talking about what can be done. And the more we probed into it, we realized what the true nature of the problem that was facing us was. And so we realized and what if we were to create a farm fresh subscription based model? Because I can explain to you exactly how it would solve the problem of the garden. There are only there are 10,000 tea estates in India, only 87 of them are Darjeeling tea gardens each of these Zajun tea gardens is unique, it's magical, it's fabled, whatnot, and they make very good, very expensive teas. So how is it possible that these tea estates are making losses? Now, the, the problem that we realized was that the four flush system that exists in Darjeeling, as per that, you have the first and the second flush that gets exported and sells for fancy prices, And yet, tea gardens are not able to break even. So obviously the problem lies with the monsoon and the autumn flush. The monsoon more, maybe the autumn less. So essentially the first and the second flush teas are trying to make up for the losses that a garden is making for the third and the fourth flush. The second thing is that why is it that the first and the second flush teas, even though they're selling for profits, why is it for really good profits, why are they not able to make up for the losses of the other teas? I'll come to that in a second. So what happens is when you produce tea in Darjeeling tea gardens, you do the withering, you do the rolling, fermenting, drying. It comes out of the drying oven, right? Now, as soon as it comes out of the drying oven, that tea that you're holding, that tea is ready to be consumed. I I haven't found a single agricultural product, which once it is ready, is crushed after that. Because it's an export-dependent market and you have international clients, in Europe, in America, in all these places, they require a uniform product. So in order to make that tea uniform, you have this grading system, whole leaf, brokens, fannings, and dust. Now, one kg of bulk tea, as it is called, coming out of the dryer's mouth, one kg of it, only, only 30% of it gets sorted into whole leaf teas, which is that uniform grade. And the problem is to make that uniform whole leaf grade teas, you create the residues, which is broken spannings and dust, dust going into your tea bags. And only that 30% of teas gets sold for profits. So you're not even trying to cover the profits of first flush, not even trying to cover the losses of uh, the monsoon flush by the profits of the first flush. You're only trying to cover the losses of the residue through the profits of the whole leaf tea. And we had a lot of discussion and especially with Raj, I kept asking him that, uh, you know, are these whole leaf teas better tasting? The more we spoke, the more he we kept discussing that. How can it be better tasting? You are basically cutting it down, brushing it, handling it, more, putting it through a machine metal metal is touching the teas. So it cannot be better tasting. We did blind tastings and we realized that, you know, the, the, the bulk teas as it is coming out of the dryer is much better tasting. We did more research and we realized that this breaking phenomenon is actually a recent phenomenon. It's not how traditionally tea, Darjeeling tea has been made. It's been only been happening in the last 30, 40 years. This entire grading system that exists for which Darjeeling tea gardens have created very fancy names, whole leaf, as you must have heard, would be called SFTGFOP, which I don't think most people in Darjeeling even know the full form of. A super fine, tippy, golden, flowery, orange, people. nobody knows. What does that even mean? So this entire grading system, I, I, I find it not only outdated, it makes no sense to me. That was the first dilemma. And the second dilemma was this hierarchy that has been created between the flushes. First flush is the best flush. Second flush is a little below that. Then comes autumn flush and then monsoon flush cannot be had. Why can't it be? High? Have you? Has anyone ever had a monso- good monsoon flush tea? When you really roast it well, you high fire rate you double roast it It gives an almost a lapsang souchong like flavor it's smoky and very nice you Now i have i have other family members who are also in tea. so when i would have these arguments with them i would ask them that you know what is the problem with uh, high you know I, I would i would say exactly this so they would say no but it is smoky then it becomes smoky in flavor i would say exactly that is pri- pri- precisely my point so they said no but that is a defect in the tea if it becomes smoky And I was just shocked. And I would say that, you know, that smoky taste is something that is really a delectable flavor. And you can even add a drop of milk. No, but Dajun tea, you cannot add milk. Who said so? Why? These two things never made sense to me. The grades and the flushes. With my parents, I would travel to a lot of gardens. You know, ever since 2016, I've been somewhere or the other, been going to the tea gardens, been somewhere involved. So the more I tasted teas, the more I realized that all four of these have their unique flavor, their unique taste, their unique aroma, their unique story. So why don't we do something where, and here we studied the model of wine clubs in the US and in the UK. And we realized that somewhere in the 70s, 80s, a similar problem was faced by some of these vineyards. They created a model where you create a subscription system at the beginning of the year, you subscribe to that vineyard's products and you get all of it at your house. We decided why don't we create something like this for our own tea garden? If Darjeeling is to survive, if there is to be a Darjeeling tea renaissance, it has to be with Indians. Indians need to understand the handicraft of this industry, uh, and they need to want to support it because this is—I mean—this is one of the most phenomenal products that India has ever made. So why it needs to reach Indian households? We want to make the green tea and the black tea. And it's flushes a mass-market household grocery item so that people can drink this chai on a daily basis.
3: At 49 degrees latitude, Jersey, the largest of the Channel islands situated between England and France, is much further north than traditional tea lands. Yet the island is proving to be fertile ground to produce fine loose-leaf tea.
2: Camellia sinensis is a versatile plant that is grown in many parts of the world. This is Dalanja Silva from PM David Silver & Sons. And today I sit down with Alicia Gentili from Jersey Fine Tea. And we talk about growing tea on the island of Jersey. We talk about marketing. We talk about some of the challenges that she has faced producing tea on the island. And what we can expect from Jersey Fine Tea. Establishing a tea farm where none previously existed presents many costly challenges. What is a return on investment for a smallholder farm like yours and what quantities will it take to reach breakeven?
0: So that's a really complicated thing to answer as far as what it takes to set up a new estate. Your return is going to depend on how much you have to invest. So you have high investment, you'll get faster returns, but there's a higher risk. Same thing if you have you know, low skill and low investment, you're going to see a longer time to get returns. It depends on what quality of tea that you want to sell. So if you want to do something like Jersey Fine Tea is doing, we're going for absolute premium, so we can charge more for that. Whereas if we were going for a consumer that wanted more flavor teas or something in bags, we could be producing it at a cheaper rate. It would just be a different client that we're kind of appealing to. Will you blend to achieve volume? We are not going to be blending teas at Jersey Fine Tea, but I do appreciate that's something that companies can do. Other European tea growing regions too are finding that you can't really make enough money from selling tea alone. So we're having to do things like tours and classes and like open it up to the public as a way of supplementing income.
2: What are some of the challenges that you've experienced?
0: One of the challenges I think that most tea companies everywhere face is cost of labor. In Jersey, minimum wage is much higher than it would be in somewhere like India or Sri Lanka, for example. So that's a huge challenge for us to consider and what we need to charge for teas, how much we can make. The laws here are just different in other places. If we wanted the sun wither the tea, we don't have the flexibility to just put a sheet outside and let, let it wither in the sun, you know. I know that companies in the United States are getting really creative with working with health and safety. One company is using UV lights to activate the same kind of reaction that sun weathering would do. So there are like creative ways of getting around it, but considerations that you have to think of in new tea growing regions. It's not technically a beverage. It's a finished product, but it's still a food product. So it's kind of like in this gray area. So we're kind of unsure about whether it's like a finished product or a food product. So that's, I think, going to come with some challenges
2: for sure. How has Jersey Fine Tea adapted its manufacturing process to the climate of Jersey?
0: Tea, like everything grows well. The soil's great here. and We've had to add irrigation to make up for the lack of rainfall that happens, but that was, like, was fairly easy to do.
2: Where would you like to see Jersey Fine Tea being marketed and enjoyed? Is it just for Jersey? Is it for Britain? Or are you looking further afield into Europe and the rest of the world?
0: We actually do sell globally now, which is really great um, through our website. We we, we get sales from all over the place, Um, America, France, um, Germany, the Netherlands, definitely the UK, which is great. I think our target consumer really is tea enthusiasts, people that are interested in tea from new tea growing regions, our other target audience is Jersey tourists, like people that are coming here. They're looking for something local, something that's grown here, something that's really high end, high quality. So we're trying to get into a lot of the higher end hotels. I'm pushing for we're, we're slowly getting into afternoon teas here, which is really exciting because in the UK, afternoon tea really isn't about the tea (laughs) so much. So I'm trying to like work with restaurants to get them to kind of change that attitude, like make afternoon tea about having a nice, good quality cup of tea with that. It's definitely challenging in Jersey because loose leaf tea isn't really a well-known experience here. So it comes with like a lot of educating the consumers on how to brew it, what it is even. I think a lot of people get intimidated by it. So For us to succeed as a business, that's why I want to push for doing tours and classes and talking about it, just so we have the education here that people will be interested and start supporting us.
3: Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of biz journalists and T-experts? Contact them directly through subtext private message-based platform. Avoid the chaos of
2: social media and start a conversation that matters. Subtext message-based platform lets you privately ask meaningful questions of the tea experts, academics, and T-Biz journalists reporting from the tea lands. You see their responses via SMS texts, which are sent direct to your phone. Visit our website and subscribe to Subtext to instantly connect with the most connected people in tea.
3: Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage that's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell. Till next week.